husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Why? So that nothing will hinder your prayers. What did Sarah call Abraham? Lord, Master. What should the husband not call his wife? Weaker vessel, weaker partner. We'll come to that. We better pray. Thanks, Lord, for the opportunity if we have to share. Help us to listen. We would have heard all these things, Lord, over the years. But help us to listen, to evaluate, just to check ourselves to make sure that we're doing what you want us to be doing. Not just husbands and wives, but all of us. So, Lord, speak to us, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I would imagine that some of you were thinking, well, either I'm not married, so these words are not relevant to me, and husbands, you don't have to listen to the first six verses because that's to the wives, and wives, you don't have to listen to verse seven because that's to the husbands, and I would want to encourage you not to do that. Though I do suspect that the husbands will listen to verses one to six very carefully. You tell her on the way home what I say, and ladies, you'll listen to verse seven. You can tell him on the way home what the passage says and check each other. Peter is writing to disciples of the Lord Jesus in the first century and trying to instruct them how to live in this world, how to live in this dark world. And we said a couple, over the last couple of weeks that we are part of a spiritual house, we're a royal priesthood, we offer spiritual sacrifices to him uh, as we proclaim his excellency for saving us, taking us out of darkness and into his light. And the unbelieving world is watching us, so we need to be careful how we live. Now, in the context, he has said, chapter 2, verse 11, Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and as exiles, people who are different, this is not home, you're passing through, to abstain from all sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live in such a way that the unbelievers, now they accuse you of doing wrong, that when they see your good works, will glorify God on the day that he visits us. And it's in that context he says, Now, slaves, servants, submit to your masters. Behave in this way. Whether they're good masters or cruel masters, submit to them. And then he comes, he tells us as um, citizens to submit to all of the governing authorities. And then he comes to the home. What's interesting is that when he talks about slaves or servants, that he only talks to them, he doesn't talk about the masters. When he talks about citizens, he talks about us, but he doesn't talk about those in authority over us. But when it comes to the home, he mentions both. Wives, and husbands. And Peter, in fact, though we may not pick up on this in our reading, but Peter is in fact honouring wives at this point because he mentions them. In most literature, Roman, Greek, of the time, women, children and slaves are ignored. They are not even worthy of a mention. The very fact that Peter mentions wives and slaves is he is drawing attention to them, saying you are of value, you are important, and you have a role to play. So that's a helpful way. So again, many of the things that Peter says to the wives are applicable to us as believers, and what he says to the husband is also applicable to us generally as believers. He's basically teaching that there is a, almost an irresistible beauty and attraction in godliness, 
if we are fully obedient to him and serving him, there's something attractive about it in the world. There certainly was in the first century, which is how the church grew. Um, and he's also saying, basically, that our actions speak louder than our words. That truth will come out. That our attitude is more important than our appearance. That's not to play down our words or our appearance, but our actions and our attitude are more the... They should be the focus. We're often in our world and circumstances we concentrate more on the way we speak and the way we look. We don't worry about the attitude of the heart or the way we're behaving. Good character is important and it's more important than good cosmetics. So basically, Peter says, we are to adorn ourselves with gentleness, not just jewellery. That we are, let the bling of our life be our godliness, not our garments. Make sense? Say yes. See, that's submissive, that's good. I've checked my notes with Rhonda yesterday and she has approved. <laughs> I want to give you one illustration though of how that worked its way out yesterday. I don't have her permission to do that, but I don't need it because I'm in charge. She told me, she told me I was in church. <clears throat> she came to me once on hands and knees this week. <laughs> and she bent down and she said, get out from under the bed and fight like a man. <laughs> no, that's not true. <clears throat> when we come to this issue of wives, submit to your own husbands. People smirk at it. People are uncomfortable with it. We don't know what to do about it. Usually it's because we have misunderstood it or it's because in our hearts we're really rebelling against authority. We're rebelling against God. Or um, You may have a bad marriage and you think you, therefore you don't have to submit. And that's not what it says. Wives, in the same way, like before, well, he's been touching citizens and servants, slaves. Submit yourself to your own husband's. Here's a little bit of background information for you because in this context, Peter is going to specifically focus upon a Christian wife who happens to be married to a non-Christian husband, which was very common in the ancient world. The reason it was very common was that many pagans, not Jewish and certainly not Christian, when you had a child, if it was a girl, you would keep one. If you had a second or subsequent children who were children, you would get rid of them. You would get rid of them by leaving them outside for the wild animals to come and eat, or you would leave them outside for someone else to come and collect and they would sell them off into sex traffic and prostitution and everything else. The world hasn't changed that much, has it? Christians and Jews didn't do that. And so that meant there were not a lot of females available in pagan world to get married. So when they married, and often marriages were arranged, often when they married, they would be marrying either a Jew or a Christian. And so it was very common, in fact, to find a lady with an arranged marriage who is now married to a pagan, to a, an unbelieving husband. And what happened is people followed this instruction. The other bit of uh, interesting cultural background which will help us is it was assumed that when you got married, whatever religion your husband was, that was the, what you would become. If he worshipped the Roman gods, well, so would you. If he worshipped the Greek gods, well, then so would you. So she would become whatever he was. But of course... Christian wives didn't do that. 
They didn't become, they couldn't go through the rituals of their pagan idol worship and stuff. And so that could be misunderstood as being subversive already, being disobedient. And so therefore Peter writes to these wives, how do you cope in that situation? Submit. Be loyal, be loving. Don't be needlessly offensive, but you can't be obedient, excuse me, to just that one thing. Uh, but be obedient and submissive in all other areas as best you can. Uh, we'll amplify that as we go through. Um, but it might be helpful if I explain to you what submission is not and then explain what submission is with one qualification. And then I'd really like to move on from this as quickly as I can. To submit does not mean and is not just for women. Submission is for all of us. But in this context, it's wives are to submit to their husbands. But we all have um, authorities in whom we ought to submit. We're to submit to the government, to the police, we're to submit to our employers and so on. Kids are at school are to submit to their teachers. God has put all these structures in place. Submission is not being a slave. Submission does not mean silence, that the wife never opens her mouth, that she never has an opinion, that she never gives advice. It doesn't mean that. Submission does not mean being a doormat or being dormant, uh, not using her gifts and abilities. Read Proverbs 31 about this lady who has all these talents and, ability, uh, uh, um, talents and abilities and all the activities that she's involved in. Um, being submissive does not mean being inferior to the one to whom you submit. So the wife is not inferior, excuse me, to the husband because she's submitting to him. Jesus submitted to Mary and Joseph. He's a child submitting to her parent, but it's Jesus submitting. So he's not inferior, but that's the role. That's how it works. Submission is voluntary. She submits herself. He doesn't say to her, you have to submit to me. That's not his role. His role is to lead and to love, not to tell her to submit. Of course, you could say, the Bible says that wives should submit to husbands. So it's voluntary. She does it herself. Number two, it's continuous. It's in the present tense. It's a lifestyle. It's not on again, off again. It's not selective in any way. It's mandatory. It's a command. It's not based on how he treats her, nor is it conditioned by the husband's abilities, education, spiritual state, income or wisdom. Her role is to submit to him. It's a spiritual matter. It's as to the Lord. This is what God requires of you, women, lot, wives. Um, I should say this too, because this often gets misunderstood. It's not women submitting to men. Uh -uh. It's wives submitting to one man. Her husband. Make sense? I'm sure you know all of this. It involves the attitudes as well as the actions. It's not done with an attitude of being resigned or reluctant or grudgingly. But submission is to be done willingly, gladly and respectfully. And it's extensive. It's in everything. Like I said, it's not selective. That's all the time, in all places, in everything. Let's close in prayer and leave and go home. There is one qualification. While submission is extensive, it is not absolute. He is the head of the home, but he is under God's authority. And so as long as he, the husband, 
does not ask her to do what God forbids or forbid her from doing what God commands, then she's to submit to him. Follow that? If the husband departs from biblical guidelines, then the wife is not to obey that or submit to that. She's to submit to God and his authority, to obey God, not him. But when she cannot submit, get this, she's to explain calmly and clearly her reasons, assuring her husband of her love and loyalty and seeking to demonstrate that in tangible ways. I wrote this very carefully because I didn't want to get trapped. She does not and should not undermine him or neglect him because she is there to help him, make a helper suitable for him. She puts, listen to this, I like this. She puts all of her talents, resources and energy at his disposal. She yields to his management and directions for his good, but also for their good and the family's good. She's part of his team. She's not an opponent at cross purposes with him or competing to outdo him. They're striving together for the same goal. She has ideas, opinions, desires, requests and insights and she makes these known, but he leads. How does that work out in practice, lovingly? Uh, if anybody would like a copy of my notes this morning, just let me know and I'll send them to you. <laughs> Yesterday afternoon, I'd read this to Rhonda, checking that it was okay, and I opened a can of drink and I went to throw it in the bin. She caught me, because it's supposed to go in the recycle bin, so... My submissive wife is standing next to me and she goes, <laughs> recycling. I said, you're supposed to say, my Lord, <laughs> may I suggest that it goes in the recycling bin and not in the garbage bin? Well, I'm sure that's what she meant when she went, That's how it works out in my house. So be a good wife. Let's move on to... Oh, I haven't been doing this. Thanks. Derek, you can do it. Um, the silent preaching of a lovely wife is what William Barclay called this. The reason she is to submit and to behave, and Peter's going to talk about the behaviour, is in order to, evangelistically, to win her husband, to so impress her by her lifestyle. And Peter goes on to say, please read these carefully. These words have been misunderstood and misinterpreted. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment. He means your beauty should not come just from outward adornment. For those who want to take it literally, that means you have to walk around without outward adornment. No glass which is obviously a stupid understanding. That's not what Peter means. Um, Peter and the other place in the New Testament it talks about how we should dress. He's talking, he's trying to bring a balance. It's a comparative. And he's saying your beauty should not come just from outward adornment, like what? Elaborate hairstyles, wearing of gold jewellery or fine clothes. Could you hold up your hand, please, if you have gold on you as jewellery this morning? Yeah, every married couple who's got a wedding ring should put their hand up. <coughs> How many ladies have got their engagement ring on? 
wearing a gold jewellery. No need to leave, it's quite okay. <laughs> Just going to go and get your ring, are you? Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with getting your hair done, there's nothing wrong with wearing fine jewellery and there's nothing wrong with wearing fine clothes. The problem becomes when that's what you focus on. This is what's going to make me attractive. And Peter's saying, no, it's not. By all means, dress nice. And ladies particularly, you should dress nice for your husband. You should. And not just dress nice for when you go outside, but please do dress nice when you go outside. Can women wear makeup? Some people go to this passage and say, no, they can't. Husbands, just look at your wife. Do you think she should wear makeup? <laughs> I didn't say it. But truth be told, if the barn needs painting, paint it. Rather, Peter says, verse 4, it should be that of the inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. So it's not outward adornment, it's the inner self. Focus on that. You can't put a line down because we have different ages, different ranks in life and different means and abilities and finances and so on. So you can't say Christians can or Christians can't, that's nonsense. But I think the line might be, and it's an individual decision. If you're spending more time focusing on your outward appearance, your body, your clothes, your jewellery, your hair, your makeup. I hope he doesn't watch this. My son-in-law takes longer to get dressed than my daughter. <laughs> he does his hair, he shaves, dresses nicely. He's very aware and he dresses very well. And we love our son-in-law, don't we? And in fact, he keeps buying me either shares or stuff. Anyway, moving on. If you're spending more time focusing on those things than you do on what's my attitude, my character, my obedience, and my spiritual development, you're probably crossing the line. And it's not a... I didn't say that probably correctly. It's not a time thing. It's really a focus. What's important to you? Um, and it is important, I think. God... God is into beauty and into decorating. And in fact, there are birds and plants that, and fish in the sea that no human eye has seen except his eye because he loves beautiful things. And he's made us in his image. And it's innate to us to also like beautiful things. And we're attracted to it. So don't stop enjoying that and, you know, spending time and focus on it. I would encourage you to do so, and I think Peter would too. But it's the emphasis, the priority. Don't just focus on that. If Peter was writing today, he probably wouldn't talk about, well, he might, but hairstyles and rings and clothes. He'd probably talk about houses and cars and, I don't know, technology things or games or something. It's not the outward things that make us beautiful in the sight of God. It's our likeness to the Lord Jesus. So let's move on. Verse 5. This is, oh, no. There are two qualities that he emphasises there. Beauty, gentleness and beauty. Ladies, this is the influence that you can have. If you are gentle and of quiet spirit, you're calm, tranquil, then you can have a great impact in your house. Out there, there can be turmoil, but if you're gentle and of a quiet spirit, there can be peace at home. If you're a wife under God's control, that's what it means to be gentle. 
that your mouth is under control, your responses are under control, God's control. Your attitudes and priorities are likewise set by God. Then you're providing a safe, tranquil, peaceful environment for him, but also for your children and therefore for yourself. Undisturbed, quietly trusting. You have the ability to provide a calm, consistent, secure home. So your actions can speak louder than your words. Husbands can come to know Jesus. Um, your attitudes, more important than your outward appearance. And please don't go the other way. I know there are some Christians who think that Christians should be quite um, drab, you know, unkept, that wives shouldn't wear lipstick and they shouldn't wear makeup and all that sort of stuff, and they forbid it. I think that's wrong. I think God likes you to look beautiful, and He wants you to. Um, and you, if you have the means, then do so. One of the things Rhonda does is that she'll wear lipstick when she goes to school, and the last thing she does before she leaves is she kisses me. And my ongoing battle with her is I hate lipstick on my lips. So she kisses me and she transfers lipstick to me. So I have a tissue and so I wipe it off. I don't know how you can wear it. Maybe I need to wear it more often to get used to it. I don't know how you can stand that stuff on your lips. I read 2,000 years ago, Roman literature, of a wife who would put, used to be dough, he called it, makeup on, and they would put stuff on their lips and transfer it to their husband. So I showed Rhonda, 2,000 years this has been going on for. Even Roman husbands had the same issues. Well, that's enough about ladies, isn't it? Ladies, it's time to have a spiritual makeover. Focus on the hidden person of the heart, becoming like Jesus. Good character is better than good cosmetics. Adorn yourself with gentleness, not jewellery. All right, let's have, I've got one minute. Let's do the husbands. Oh, here we go. Uh, summary. Submission is important. Actions are louder than words. And attitude trumps appearance. Next, verse 7. Oh, you've all read that. You know what that means. Ladies, you listen very carefully and you tell him on the way home. There are four things here. Firstly, <clears throat> oops, sorry. You are two husbands in the same way, like we've been talking about. Be considerate or understanding as you live with your wives, as you dwell with them in the same house. And Peter is probably most definitely referring to physical intimacy and closeness. He's talking about affection and caring for each other. Husbands, be considerate. Be understanding of your wife. Literally, the words are, according to knowledge. Men and women are different. I hope you're aware of that. Not better, not inferior, different. Both made in God's image. And husbands, it's our role to know our wives. We'll never understand women. Amen, brother. But you're not asked to. You're asked to understand one woman, your wife. Understand her, her preferences, her moods, her needs, her love language. You should know what that is so that you can love and care for her. Be aware and sensitive. 
become a lifelong student of your wife. Gary Smalley, who wrote um, The Five Love Languages, after interviewing, he says, hundreds of wives and daughters, there is one consistent plea or response that is commonly asked by wives and daughters. And they ask for that their fathers and husbands, that they would please be more comforting instead of lecturing and criticising. you hear that? To be more comforting instead of lecturing and criticising. That's up to us, fellas. Be understanding. Secondly, or thirdly, treat her with respect. That's secondly. Treat her with respect as you want her, because it says she's the weaker vessel. What does it mean by weaker vessel? Well, it doesn't mean emotionally, mentally, relationally, or character. It means probably physically. And generally speaking, men are bigger, stronger than women. There are exceptions, I know. There are women who are taller than their husbands. There are women who are stronger and fitter than their husbands. That's true. But generally, that's not true. And that's what Peter means here. And it means, he's writing to the husbands to say, don't forget, she's a weaker partner. She's a weaker, she has a weaker body than you. You have more muscle mass than her. Be aware of your strength and treat her with understanding. And I think it means never bully her, threaten her, or strike her, verbally or physically. Don't do it. I raised my son, and I was raised this way. Men don't hit women. Boys don't hit girls. Don't. My son was raised, and his sister, my daughter, was laying in him one day, and my son is looking at me and saying, Can I? <laughs> no. Walk away. She's your sister. You protect her. So I have never hit Rhonda. Gone close a few times. No. no. <laughs> joking, joking. <laughs> well, when I say I haven't hit her in violent anger or burst, I've smacked her on the seat of learning sometimes. <laughs> that was more affection than anything else. And fellas, we need to set the mark here. Christian men do not. And they do. Cut it out. And ladies, if you're on the receiving end of that, leave. I'm supposed to submit to him. Well, he's not doing what God wants him to do, so leave. Get out. Go somewhere else. Give me a call. Don't demean her or belittle her. Rather, we are to provide and protect for her. I was raised, and I still like to do it, open doors, give up seats, uh, walk beside her. If we're walking on the footpath, then I walk on the side where the cars are because I'm there to protect her. I'm bigger than her. I'm stronger than her, and that's my role. She's weaker than I am, and so I am to protect her. That does not mean... It only means in that physical sense. It doesn't mean in any other sense at all. Treat her with respect, kindness, and courtesy. Open the doors for the women. These days, you'll get the women, I'm capable of opening the door for myself. You don't need to open this door for me because I'm a woman. Well, if that happens to you, then simply reply by saying, I'm not opening the door because you're a woman. I'm opening the door because I'm a gentleman. Touché. Husbands, <laughs> the same way. Be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as a weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. 
They are, Jesus died on the cross for them, and they're just as spiritual as you are. You are to shepherd her. Before she was your wife, remember that she was God's daughter. Look after God's daughter. That's our responsibility. And I should have said this to you. When it comes to areas of strength, you help her. So that's why we open jars. We don't do much else, but we can open jars. (laughs) Treat your wife like fine china, not paper plates. That's good, isn't it? Something delicate, valuable. And finally, why, guys, should you do this? So that nothing will hinder your prayers. God's watching you and your relationship. And if you're out of sorts with your wife, you're out of sorts with God. That's my daughter. You look after her. Don't talk to me. Talk to her. Otherwise, your mistreatment of your wife, or your neglect, or whatever it is, your inconsiderateness, God says, talk to her first, then come and talk to me. Or God will say, yes, I'll answer your prayer after you get right with your wife. Happy wife, happy life. Unhappy wife, unhappy Lord. Not him, him. And he says down in verse 12 of that same chapter, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So, fellas, Satan certainly wants to hinder. He wants to interrupt your prayer life. And the number one sin, who knows, but my guess would be it's going to be unforgiveness. So when you have an argument, when you're out of sorts, before you go to sleep at night, forgive her. You've still got to sort the argument out. You've still got to make up. You've still got to do all that stuff, but you probably do it the next day but have an attitude of forgiveness towards her. Here we go. Skip Heidsick says this, the evasion of husbandly duty will bring interruption to heavenly bounty. The evasion of husbandly duty will bring interruption to heavenly bounty. I thought that was worth quoting. So let me summarise and say these few things quickly. If a man has enough sense to treat his wife like a thoroughbred, she will never turn into an egg. (laughs) Gentlemen, say these with me, please. Yes, dear. No, dear. dear. (laughs) Sorry, dear. As you wish, my dear. As you wish, my dear. Practice on the way home. <laughs> I've got a little photo. Time's gone. I need to finish. But I've got a little thing. If you want a copy of it, ask me. Guys, it's really for you. But girls, if you want it, there's two flow charts. If she's angry and you did something wrong, then you say, I'm sorry. If you're angry because she did something wrong and she gets angry, you say, I'm sorry. (laughs) And finally, all of you, 
if you're married, you are married to an imperfect person. And so are they. We're all fallen, we're all broken, we all mess up. But here are the guidelines for us to have not just good marriages, but good relationships. Actions are more important than words. Attitudes are more important than appearances. We need to be considerate. We need to submit. We need to be gentle and of a quiet spirit. That's how we live in this world. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your truth. We thank you that, Lord, some of this stuff is difficult. Um, but so could you, you extend grace to all of us, to help us in all of our relationships. Again, Lord, I pray for every marriage and every single person. Help us to submit to those in authority over us. Help us to prioritise the inner and eternal over the external and temporal. And Lord, help us to adorn ourselves with gentleness and calmness, to be considerate and to be prayerful so that our behaviour will not hinder our prayers. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said...